Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues. Hello everyone, you're very welcome to the Allianz Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer, Ushman McCumble, by Gary Brennan, former player footballer, and by Tony Lean, the sports editor of the Irish Examiner. There is only one place to start. Ushin, what was it like to be in Croke Park on Saturday night to watch Armagh beat Dublin? Well, Paul, there's a couple of things about it. Um, the first thing was that um, I think it's a long time since Armagh supporters, uh, me included, went to Crow Park. We hadn't played Dublin in a competitive game in 10 years. Um, we travelled, to be honest, I, I travelled with, with lots and lots of hope. Uh, but I, I still, in the niggling in the back of my head, I thought, are we really at this level? You know, um, and I wasn't 100% sure what level Dublin were at, but I'd seen them in the in the O'Boran Cup final the previous week, and I thought, the looks as if there's some sort of shape or make coming on that Dublin team. Um, I think when I got up there, I looked at the pitch, I looked at the two teams, I looked at the warm-up, I became more and more confident. Um, the game started and it looked as if physically, which was the first thing in my head, physically and conditioning-wise, we were going to be um, right up there to what anything the Dubs had. Uh, the next thing was, could we execute when we got the opportunities? Um, Dublin looked very open at the back. That was the first thing. There was a load of space in front of the two boys inside, Jason Duffy and, and Rain started the game inside and then it looks as if Rain was playing in there his own for uh, long periods. But without even getting into the nuts and bolts of the game, um, this there was something momentous about this. I, I don't think, I think unless you're from Armagh, uh, it's hard to grasp just how significant a night that was because um there's a, there's a thing there's a thing niggling in my head and even when i even when the game was over and i was leaving and the dubs were very um uh, complimentary let's say about the performance i was wondering was it like you t tapping a little gay on the head and saying you know you know, you're great, uh, but, like, you know, you're not that great. And and so even though that niggle was in my head, I come home, watch the game, and I realised that, like, all of the things you want from a serious inter-county team were there. Um, and I don't want to think too far into the future because I wanted to enjoy uh, the moment for what it was. And you probably think... This guy thinks he's after win they're after winning all Ireland or something. It's not like that. It's just like, you know, we've had lots of false dawns, lots of times where we thought, um, you know, we're back. Lots of times where we thought, you know, we can compete with anybody. And then we would get the mother and father of a good Hayden. And you, it puts you back, way back down. But it seems to be something different this time. Because I do think this is built on a lot of substance. Um, I do think that our panel runs deeper maybe than it has done for some time. Uh, there's a second string of players there who uh, I think are confident enough to come in and, and, and do a job. Uh, I think we unearthed a few guys even the other night. And not a lot of people would have heard of Kieran Mackin or Ben Creeley in the middle of the field. I thought both of them done well. Okay, they picked up little negative injuries. Jason Duffy is not somebody who's brand new to us. Jason Duffy is somebody who's been on the... Uh, in and around the fringes of that panel probably since he was 19, so probably four years. And he's starting to deliver uh, in a big way. Um, Aidan Nugent back from injury. Tian and Kelly off the back of a you know a, a very good club championship. You know, we didn't even use Connor Torbett. 
you know, we use Steph, Stefan Campbell sparingly. Um, you know, we still have a, a few more to come in, like Kieran O'Hanlon and, and boys like that. But it just, it just felt good. It just felt really good to be there. Um, what I was saying last night that my wee boys have, have they've grown up and I've taken them to a lot of games where Dublin have been involved. They have got to know, not to know personally, but they've got to to, to uh, look uh, look on and appreciate what Dublin are all about. They they went up the other night because they were coming up with me. Um, they knew we were playing Dublin and it filled them full of dread. They didn't think there was any possibility of Armagh going up there and beating Dublin. And uh, and when we did, the change, you know, the change of attitude of, of them towards Armagh, those players, is is unbelievable. So, um, it, it is significant. It's significant. And I do understand about the January thing and the fact that Dublin still have a lot of players to come back and all those sort of things. But uh, it just it felt significant because it felt as if we had a plan. Uh, defensively, I thought we looked good. Uh, we executed our kickouts better than we have done in a big game in a long, long time. Um, and I thought up front, which we have done probably, to be fair, for some time, up front were a match for anybody. So um, I'm not... I'm, I'm genuinely not getting carried away, but I, 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 the other night was enjoyable, and uh, and I think the perfect game to follow that up is welcoming uh, the All Ireland Champions Throne to the Athletic Grounds next week. I, I don't know what the score is going to be in that game. I, I'll, I'll hazard a guess: eight, seven, nine, eight, something along those lines. Um, but and it'll be tight. You know they'll have watched what Armagh did. Armagh played with an unbelievable amount of West the other night. Unbelievable. They dragged Dublin everywhere. Something you associate with Dublin in the last number of years. Dublin have been very, very good at that. Um, and Armagh brought that the other night. But you have to bring it to the extreme the next day, um, because Taylor Pitch, um, more of a you know a, a definitive defensive system. I think. Long balls in the rain, him winning them and kicking them over the bar probably won't be, be possible. So next week's a massive test because you have to readjust, rethink, um, still walk off the same principles defensively as we did, um, but rethink it uh, attack-wise. And I think that's another test because that's maybe a test that we haven't been able to pass with flying colours so far, is being able to break down that mass defence without uh, that long kick. So... Um, but it's obvious that I've, I'm, I'm feeling good about, about things but um, but next week is a test but I, I'm glad that it will follow it up with a game like that because um, it's one to really get your teeth in again By contrast if you look at Dublin it, it, it wasn't just that Dublin lost it was the way that they lost that is, it is only January and it is a work in progress but there's a way to lose a game, and I think there will be significant warning signs for Dublin in how they lost that game. I think I think for me there was a, there was a number of things that uh, shocked me with Dublin. Um, I thought their decision making all over the pitch was um, was not where it needs to be. Um, you can put some of that down to the fact that it's it's January, it's early season. Some of those players don't have a lot of game time. Probably, if I'm honest, uh, the two forwards that looked as if they could do a bit of damage were Costello and, and, and Bourne in the corner. Uh, they both departed the scene before half time. Uh, that definitely didn't help things. Um, well, I picked out one insert last night, and that was um, we, Armagh had a free in the middle of the field, and Armagh were able to kick a low ball into rain. It was coming out from full forward. There was at least 50 yards of space uh, in front of them. That's basic, basic, basic stuff. Now, that's from a free kick. And it, when I look back and I thought, well, well, if it's taken quick enough, you know, but it wasn't. It was The free kick was actually delayed. 
Owen Merchant was standing in the position where he needed to be and actually went off to the wing to go and mark somebody and left that whole uh, 50 yards right in front of a full fall, uh, in front of the Armagh full forward line. And that for me was the, was the thing that I picked out because it's a set play. Dublin have done it for years. Keno Sullivan used to do it. Um, Cooper do, have, has done it. But also, Owen Merchant has done that role. Yeah, the, you know, and they have they have they have uh, they have changed the way they played with the full time sweeper to a, to a, a different plus one all the time, and yet the other night they couldn't even master that. So there's a lot of work there's a lot of work to do as far as Dublin Dublin are concerned. Um, you know, like they still have you know a lot of the a lot of the you know. The good traits that you would want again from a, from a, a serious intercounty team, conditioning wise and, and physique and all those sort of things. Um, but uh, they're they're a good bit off where they need to be as far as how organised they are and how disciplined they are. And and the last thing I'll say about Dublin was that their reaction to losing the ball and the body language wasn't great. Now, I know that when things are going against you, that can be the case, but just a reaction to losing the ball. John Small lost the ball in the corner uh, one time. Uh, he had no reaction to try and win it back. Um, I went the whole way to the top of the field and kicked the ball over the bar. Just little things like that that, that uh, you, we wouldn't have seen probably in in 10 years from Dublin. Or more, 15. I think the, struck, the thing that struck me as well was towards the end of the game when Dublin were chasing a goal, they were left doing what they did against Mayo last year, and that was lumping the ball into the square, into an absolute forest of players. Gary, I was thinking about this after the game. I, I think the pressure on the younger Dublin players who are coming in is, is pretty intense. And it's intense for, I think, two reasons. Number one, they are replacing all-time great players players who will who will live on in in for as long as Gaelic football is is spoken about there are players who whose names have now departed the scene who will come into the reckoning for for the greatest teams of all time and number two the expectation levels in Dublin are now it's an all Ireland or bust and there's not there's no in between and those those players are now facing trying to learn the intercounty game but expecting to be a success straight away. Yeah, and now learning it as well with less of the aura that the previous guys, I suppose, who came into those positions maybe um, had about them. There's, there's now that unbeatable aura that there was about Dublin seems to have faded that little bit, you know, I suppose after the events of last year. So um, definitely it's it's a huge challenge for them. And I suppose when you're trying to come into a senior and county setup like that, can only go back to my own experience and I had a I suppose I was coming into a team that wasn't winning uh, I was coming into a team that was I suppose, struggling really around division four but I could come in get my place in the team and I wasn't looking over my shoulder saying I'm, I'm going to be replaced here after five ten minutes that was the reality of it we were working off a small squad and I knew that I got myself in the team and I unless I had a, a real stinker I was going to be left there and given my chance to develop um, those Dublin players just aren't going to get that time to, to yeah. build themselves into it and to learn the game as they go. So they have to be, as you say, ready to go. I think a major issue actually for Dublin is that they're probably not used to chasing games. Um, you know, they've been blooding these new guys and they've been coming into matches where they're on top. They get themselves ahead and then they can control the game. But as you said there, it's a, very, a totally different experience where they're coming in four or five points down, having to work their way back into a match, try and pick off the points one by one. And teams are almost doing to Dublin now, or I almost do to them what, what Dublin used to do, get themselves ahead, then control the game, control the spaces of the game, and, and uh, hit them on the counter. Like it, it didn't surprise me at all. It's easy to say in hindsight to see Armagh do what they did, because from sore experience, um, we know exactly here in Clare what they're capable of. They beat us in a humdinger of a qualifier in 18, I think it was, and then actually beat us on the last day of the league to go up to Division 1 in uh, in 2020. I suppose we'd have been looking at both of those games saying there were potential wins for us, but all of the things that you were looking for 
in an intercounty team, a modern intercounty team now, Armagh seem to possess. They have pace, they have strength, they're all comfortable on the ball, they're fluid in their positions. Um, they, their kickouts have improved. They're still a little bit they can work on there. And as Oshin said, their their defensive um, setup looked a lot better at the weekend. So, I mean, if you were if you were working off the Tyrone model of last year and what what are the, the ingredients you'd be looking for in a modern team, are Martic and an awful lot of those boxes. And I think what, what Saturday evening showed um, is probably something that we did know to an extent. They can win that type of game where it's that little bit more open, where both teams want to attack. As Oshin said, now the test is can they win the type of game where they're not allowed to, to play that open, expansive football, where Rory Grugan isn't given the space um, to dictate the game the way that he did early on on Saturday evening and they don't leave that space in front of Rean. You know, I think that's that was probably a clever move by McGinney in bringing Rory Grugan to the, to the 40 because if he's not followed, um, he will dictate the game. If he is followed, it leaves that space if the centre-back follows him, obviously. And that, that's, I suppose, where it was surprising for Dublin is that they didn't leave that sitting six or they didn't leave someone, uh, they didn't leave their plus one back there. But I was to go back to your, I've wandered a bit there, to go back to your original point, the, the challenge for those Dublin guys now is is greater than it is for any inter-county um, player who's just starting out. Um, I saw the GPA were doing a, a rookie camp recently, like, a, you know, helping guys settle into... Uh, inter-county football there's there's no rookie camp that's going to prepare, prepare those dubs for trying to get into that team and deal with what, what's expected of them and if you think about it how long there are obvious exceptions there's the Conor Callaghan who's who, who comes almost ready-made dropped into a squad and, and they're good to go how long does it take before you feel comfortable in an inter-county team um, for me I would say and I, I, I spoke about my own experience there I got my debut in 07. I would say it was definitely 2010 or 2011 before I got comfortable. And that, that was, uh, again, as I say, working off a small squad where there wasn't maybe the same pressure on my position that um, some of the modern guys would be dealing with. So, you know, you're talking, you're talking three, four years, but within, I suppose, more important, it's, it's context dependent. Depends on how many games they're going to get uh, what sort of pressure is going to be put on you in those games? Um, what the support environment is like, like that around? I mean, you could look at, you'd have said it might take three, four years, and then you've looked at some of the previous Dublin guys who came in, uh, and and it looked like in there instantly as well. So, um, I think it really all depends on the environment they're coming into and um, the length of time or the amount of games that they get in the time they come in. If if you if you think of somebody growing up in the Dlaer Tony the Kerry footballers are those young lads who have come into the Kerry team over the last three or four years they are under huge pressure to deliver it rolls on it's still there and it's still there after last Sunday yeah um are you talking specifically about Kerry Paul yes I am Tony. yeah um I mean look I just think on the Dublin thing as well I mean not to kind of not to kind of put a, a spoke in Oshin's wheels or anything like that but I do think certainly Dublin. I, I think we put let's wait. Uh, you know that's the first thing I would I would say. Um, they're in Tralee next, next Saturday night. We may be looking back at last Saturday night in Crow Park in six weeks' time, and we might have said, uh, you know, the signs were there. You know, this happened and that happened, or we might be dismissing it completely. Um, it might be the kick up the backside Dublin need. It, they may have known already that they're like yards off it. Um, I do think genuinely last Saturday night was more about Armagh than it was about Dublin. But in terms of what you're saying about inter-county pressure, I think there are different levels and different expectations in counties. You probably have a tier that probably includes Dublin, Kerry. I'm just trying to think any of the Ulster ones, Oshin, there, where literally you are almost given no time to actually bed yourself in. And, and certainly Kerry... Well, certainly Kerry, I would actually say, are probably number one in that. Dublin are number two, Paul, in terms of latter expectation. But there's very few counties where you're given no time, and probably they are the two. And um, I don't know if you want to move on to Newbridge at this stage. Like, um, I do, yeah. Were you impressed yeah, with well, Kerry? I mean, Kerry were dreadful. There's no other way of you know saying it, and there's no point in you know in, in trying to 
dissect it or put it down to one thing or the other or put it down to missed players or put it down to Paddy Talley's influence or, you know, I mean, which is, you know, nonsense really, like to say, like, it's all down to a change in, in style. I mean, Kerry were really poor in the basics, you know, dropping ball, poor movement. Um, second half was as abysmal as a display as I've seen of my Kerry team in, in quite a while, being honest about it. They were really, really poor and Jack O'Connor was right about one thing. They were probably lucky to get out of it with a point. The fact that they actually had a lead. Um, and Kildare, I thought, in fairness, were, were were aggressive. You know, I'd agree with much of the analysis I saw and heard last night. I mean, they were, you know, obviously the crowd was up for it. But just in terms of, um, like, the lack of movement, you know, the, the, the unforced turnovers. Yeah, it was, it was a really bad day at the office. And I'm not certain you put that down. To new lads, Paul, if you were asking me, you know, I do think Sean O'Shea is absolutely pivotal. I mean, you know my views, Paul, and on Sean O'Shea. I mean, David Clifford gets all the garlands. I just think, like, it, it goes back to me to the old Declan O'Sullivan, Cullen Cooper debate when you're talking about Clifford and Sean O'Shea. You know, I mean, David Clifford adorns everything. He's magnificent. But Sean O'Shea is the player who makes that Kerry side tick. And when you're taking them out of the forwards, you're taking, you know, you're taking such creativity, you're taking ball movement. He's the guy who makes the other players work. And the fact that he's midfield at the moment, because they're obviously short of midfielders, um, you know, it absolutely removes something. I really thought that Kerry attack yesterday had a, callow is the wrong word, but it just lacked presence. I just thought, you know, I mean, David Clifford had by his standards like a pretty, pretty average afternoon. So all in all, it was a bad day at the office for Kerry yesterday. And I know you might think, well, you know, a point away in Newbridge on a bad day at the office isn't a bad first day. But I think that's what actually makes next Saturday night in Tralee so intriguing because you've two sides coming off, I would say, very questionable performances. And the loser next Saturday night, Paul, to go back to your pressure issue, if Dublin are coming away from Tralee and they've lost again, then you have serious questions. If Kerry are beaten at home by Dublin next Saturday night, then you have serious questions. Would you play Shawnee O'Shea at 11? Absolutely, all day long and twice on Sunday. Yeah. And where, where would Paddy Clifford go? Paddy Clifford, usually what he does, I mean, look, I mean, let's face it, numbers and positions at this stage like are, are somewhat, you know, irrelevant. But what it tends to happen basically is Paddy Clifford starts as a 15 nominally yeah. and basically drifts out to the foot to the half forward line. And you still probably have Ganey and David Clifford playing together inside. But it isn't even that like last year, for instance, I mean, uh, Peter Keane tried something different with Sean O'Shea, which worked very well, which basically instead of actually Sean O'Shea coming short, Sean O'Shea was actually going long. His first position was actually the run was into the full forward line. And then he was actually coming back out from the full forward line. Obviously, with his fitness A and B, the fact that he's so difficult to mark, it gave him that latitude to move around the place. But I mean, you know, he was still very much part of the attack. In fact, he was the fulcrum of the attack. And Stephen O'Brien has to come back yet, but... You look at Mike Michal Burns yesterday at 10 and Dara Moynihan at 12. Two really good players, sorry, two really hard workers, two really decent players. Paul, Sean O'Shea, Paul, is the guy that makes them tick. They they were a little bit bereft, I thought, yesterday in Newbridge because they were the ones making it all work. They weren't the ones coming off Sean O'Shea's work. And so... I, I do think, without labouring the point, yes, yeah, Sean O'Shea is an absolute 11 for Kerry. The absolute 11. Gary, I look at Kerry and everybody talks about the defence. Uh, for me, it's the midfield and getting the balance right in midfield. If you were selecting the Kerry team, who would you play midfield? <laughs> that's that's a real easy one for Monday morning. Um, <laughs> Kerry lads would love to hear me picking who they'd put midfield, mother of God. Uh, it's 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 a challenge for them because I think probably the guy they were lining up to be the anchor at midfield is down in Australia now, uh, in Mark O'Connor. You know, and we're probably looking at him being the long term, I suppose, anchor there. So, um, Adrian Splann went there yesterday, has played there a good bit, 
I suppose what I see with Adrian is he's he's a a really hard worker. Will bring others into the game, but I'm not sure he'd dictate the game and control the game around the middle the way that Carrier used to have in Darrow Shea do down the years and even David Moore to an extent. So um, I'm not sure. Uh, Dermot O'Connor, Tony, you'd know more what what this, what his um, situation is. I know he's still involved with club action, isn't he, at the moment, Dermot Well, O'Connor. they were beaten. They were beaten. Uh, Gar the weekend, so he's back next weekend yeah. with okay. that Barry. So I think. Yeah, I think um, the the two of them actually were, were two of the top three names I had, and, and David Moore. And obviously, I played with David back in college, um, and have come across him plenty since. And until such time as I think to have someone in there who can control the game and, and dictate the game, I think David was worth having there because he will bring others into it, and his his delivery when he's on his game is is second to none. So I think he's worth keeping, and I'd put either Jeremy O'Connor or Jack Barry with him. Um, until such time as they have someone there who can control the game the way that Kerry teams are used to having someone in the middle of the field control it. I was going to say next Saturday night's actually selection will tell a lot in that regard because they don't have David Moore and he's obviously just back training. He hasn't played since the county final. Mm. But I think the way Jack and the management are thinking, we will get a flavour of it the next night because like, I like Adrian Spillan and the reason I know Kerry will go with him is because, and I think Eamon Fitzmaurice made this point, I think, in, in the examiner this morning. I definitely read it somewhere last night. Is that traditionally Kerry always like having that sort of a nine back through the years, you know, whether it was Ambrose O'Donovan, whether it was William Kirby, whether it was Seamus Scanlon, that guy who almost is that kind of blue collar toiler might all, all almost play as a kind of a second six and you let your Darishes and you let these guys, you know, gallivant up the pitch. And Adrian Spillane has a massive engine on him. Like he's a big, big unit. Will do all that kind of work and would be a perfect foil to a David Morn if David Morn was fit. But the fact that Jack O'Connor has the two Gale boys back, um, it'll be interesting to see how he combos them. Like I, I'm, I'm not sure... You know how many people are aware, but Kerry suffered a big blow the weekend, like because Stefan O'Connor dislocated his shoulder playing for Nigel in that All Ireland club. Now I know Jack has huge time for him, and I wouldn't have been surprised to have seen him definitely getting game time against Dublin the next night. So that's one option gone. David Moore obviously still is quite a way away, so you're probably looking at, you know, one of the Nigel guys and Adrian Spillane maybe the next night with Sean O'Shea. It's not ideal at the moment. But there are issues there. And Oshin, you're nodding. What are you thinking? No, I just think that if they're going to play more, they definitely need need legs, somebody with legs. Um, mm. But this may be a good opportunity to have Adrian Spillane and, and Damon O'Connor. I mean, that doesn't sound like the worst combo in the world um, and give them a go. Midfield combinations, I wouldn't be the best. Gary would be way ahead of me in this one, but midfield combinations do take a little bit of time to bed in. I do understand that this is pretty unforgiving circumstances when you put them in against um, Division 1 teams, but um, that's where they're going to be, you know, learn the trade. And, and I think, you know, I've seen enough of Spillane to, to suggest that he can play there. Um, it's just what combinations played there. And to be honest, uh, long term, I, I don't know if David Moran is going to be a 60-minute man. I think he's somebody who's going to come in and maybe finish the game off. So I'd like to see O'Connor maybe in Spillane uh, in the middle of the field and see what that does for them. Um, because I do think the more that um, that Kerry travel on the journey that they're on uh, and that journey of change, um, that the, it's going to take legs in the middle of the field. And, and those two boys probably fit the bill as well as anybody else. And Jack. Jack Barry has made uh, his reputation uh, on marking Brian Fenton in games and doing a really good job doing it. So, you know, Jack may decide to go horses for courses in that regard and and stick Jack Barry in. But you know what? I think Gary's point is a great one in that everybody in Kerry, every year, you know, you talk about the cuckoo. The first question you ever always hear in Kerry is any sign of Mark O'Connor coming home? And that's probably an indicator of where David Moore is at as his career. 
in is sorry is at in his career and in terms of the alternatives because mark o'connor is your literally wrapped up ready-made guy to slot in there uh, paul can, can just go back on on something gary said about aura and talking about dublin because it do, definitely does remind me and, and anybody who uh, has watched united since ferguson left that there was a time when you knew that that aura had gone now I knew anybody again who followed United would, would knew when it was slipping. Uh, so maybe that Dublin aura is slipping, but also there's a key thing here that Dublin carry. Okay, so Dublin are gone. Who's taking over? Kerry. And I, I said to you last week about uh, I don't think Kerry will win any All Ireland anytime soon. But the the thing the thing I, I think is that a lot of teams yesterday. We'll sit up and take notice. So Dublin, pretty abject. Kerry, the same. What does that do for the other teams? And that, uh, especially oh, it's wide open. One? This year, this year feel it feels at this stage. Feels, I know yeah. it's the end of January. We're coming into the second league game going to be played on the fifth and sixth of February. So it's really, really early. But it feels wide open. And 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 for me, that's all it has to do. All it has to do is feel that way for a lot of teams to give them a little bit more oxygen, a little bit more energy, a little bit more of a reason to, to dig in and keep going for the fringe players to say to themselves, whoa, I'm not, like, you just have to look at Tron, you like, I'm not missing out, I, I'm, I'm powering on. And, and if you're one of those Division One teams at this stage, uh, certainly today, <laughs> that may change over the next couple of weeks, but certainly today, you're waking up and you're going, you know, the 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 All Ireland that seemed, you know, a million miles away three years ago, now feels a lot more tangible, and that's all yeah. it has to do. So, so that's fine, but let's look at this from a different angle. If you were if you were in charge of Dublin or you're in charge of Kerry, and you see the way there's been the reaction to how you played at the weekend, you know yourself where it didn't go right. You've got a video here that you can go to the players and say, look. This is this is this is this is the problem. This is what we have to fix. It's re it's a really nice thing early in the league to get something like that if you're a serious contender. And someone just hands you something and say, This is something to be used. This is a learning tool, it's a teaching tool to be used with players, and you you know what you now you now know what you need to fix. Yeah. But, but this is this is just a small point on a poll. It's too late. It's too late in regard to you've you've given other teams oxygen. You've given other teams hope. I understand exactly what you're saying. I mean, you know, if you're looking to stick the beat both of those teams with, I mean, you've got it, you know, and you've got it for, for, for some time. And um, there's lots of passages of play there. That we'll go out in the WhatsApp groups this week and and all those sort of things. But as far as giving other teams hope, it's too late now. You you've given them that little bit of hope. Things are going to change. The pitches are going to change. The sod's going to change. Um, and, you know, you'd like to think that both of those teams will improve dramatically in what we've seen at the weekend. Um, but as far as... I'm just talking about the other teams. As far as what the other teams have seen, they've seen enough now. They've seen enough in order to, um, as I say, to get that little bit more oxygen and to get that um, that little bit of hope that they needed. Um Dublin and Kerry will be fine, I'm pretty sure. But uh, it just it just leaves it, to be honest, even at an early stage in the season, it leaves it it leaves it very, very exciting for the rest of the year. I am in no way writing off Dublin or Kerry and their capacity to learn from it, to change, to develop. Hold on now, hold on. Bring... You said Kerry weren't going to win in All Ireland anytime soon. You can't have it everywhere. Oh, he's lost it. He's lost it. Um, yeah, well, I suppose... The thing that I would say about Kerry is that everybody said, right, right, Dublin, Dublin's gone. They're in transition. They're, they're you know, they're not going to be, they're not going to be winning the All Ireland. So what do we do? Oh, we throw Kerry in now. Should they, they're going to, they, they, they'll take over now. They'll do. What about everybody? Everybody else is, is trained in the same way, um, conditioned in the same way in that in that division. Um, there's no such thing as as like Dublin. All of a sudden, handing the baton to Kerry and Kerry going going about the business and winning a couple of All Irons in a row, while the rest was fucking sit back and 
and uh, and have a you know look on and, and appreciate how good they are and how great a football they play. People are looking to demolish that that carry forward line to um to do even more of what Kildare did yesterday to demoralise them, to not give them any sort of space to operate in, and to be better going the other way. Hey, Tyrone gave us the blueprint for that last year, and, and I do think that. Um, this thing of, of, you know, Dublin's gone, so fucking Kerry's going to take over and, and they're going to win the next number of All-Ireland. A modern-day football ain't going to walk like that. And, uh, and if Kerry are going to win something, they're going to have to they're going to have to properly work for it. And that's where the question mark is, Paul. Tony, Tony smi- Tony's that's smiling the there's no happiness is. in that smile. No, no. That's where the question mark is, Tony. I don't that's where the question mark is. When it's really put up to them, Really put up to them. I know we're not going to find that out for a while, but when it's really put up to them, uh, that's when we're going to find things out. Listen, you know, hey, I, two things I would say, certainly. Um, I think you're reading too much into Saturday night. That's the I'm not even talking about Saturday night. I was talking and about the second, last week, Tony. The second thing is I 100% agree with you. I've actually been writing this for quite a long time, Oshin, uh, and genuinely... In general terms, say what you need to say about where Kerry are at, but their inability to close out games has been haunting Kerry for I don't know how long. I I could go right back. I genuinely have a theory. People absolutely laugh at it all the time. So why should this morning be any different? I'm more than happy to put it out there and be ridiculed. I absolutely still believe that Kerry have never got over the scars of 1982 and off. I think that that is buried very, very deeply in Kerry's football psyche. And it is no coincidence that time after time after time, they fail to close out games, whether they're league games, championship games, All-Ireland semi-finals or finals. Kerry have consistently failed to close out big games. I definitely think that there is some scar tissue there that they don't seem to be able to like like the best sides do like they shut down they do what they have to do like your Tyrone's. i really do think that there is an ongoing issue there in kerry that nobody is addressing i see fitzmaurice in fairness to him has alluded to it kind of you know bits and pieces it's almost as if people in kerry are afraid to talk about it but i definitely think that can you remember lads the last time Probably Mayo in 2014 in the replay in Limerick is the only one I can think of in the, in the last decade where Kerry actually came back and rescued a big game. Yeah, it's very hard to think about. I will say about 82, by the way, that awfully haven't got over 82 as well. But he can't stop, can't stop talking about it. I've won one Leinster championship since then. One Leinster championship. Anyway, yeah. Gary. Paul, Paul Gary. Yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gary, Gary, can Claire beat Kerry? Uh, yes, they can. The first thing I'd say, yes. Um, obviously, I have, to, I have to qualify it a little bit as I go along, but I, since I'm five or six years old or younger, as long as I can remember, I believe that we can beat them. Um, that's probably exactly what Kerry want to hear, and that it it uh, it awakens them to that, I suppose, to a certain extent. Um, We've had a couple of very good chances, or we had a couple of very good chances around 14 and 17. We had them at home. Mm-hmm. Um, we carried them carry down off. 14 men just before half time. Uh, bad day. And James O'Donoghue in the second half just took over the game um, and started scoring from every direction. So we've had those couple of chances. But um, if you're talking about 82 being in the psyche of. Uh, Kerry teams, uh, you have 50 years of that ha- of repeated beatings for Clare teams that you know that has to be challenged in the psyche and has to be, um, I suppose there's a certain mental uh, element that has to be tackled there before that can happen and that doesn't happen overnight. It happens, I suppose, by building up experience over time, competing getting to a level where we're consistently um, competing with the best teams and then trusting that in time, when the time is right, it will happen. Gar, would you rather beat Kerry 
and win another Munster final, or would you rather get up to Division One and be a regular Division One team? I don't think they're independent of one another. I think getting up to Division One and being a regular Division One team makes beating Kerry and winning a Munster final more likely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would hope that it wouldn't, if one were to happen, it wouldn't make it independent of the other. I would like to think that uh, they would happen, I suppose, in line one or so. I, I'd, the, the main thing for us in player is to try and, is to keep trying to compete at the highest level possible that we can. And you see, it's, it, it's, it seems alien to people outside of Clare football because Clare is just seen as a hurling county and the footballers are tipping away and geez, aren't they doing great to still be in Division 2? Like, you know, Oshin, you actually hit the nail in the head last night. That's not the way Colm Collins thinks at all. Colm is 100% thinking of getting Clare to Division 1, getting us to the highest level possible and staying there for as long as we possibly can. Um, and, you know, it, it may seem deluded to some people on the outside, but, uh, you know, I suppose people don't realise maybe the number of players we have in in Clare potentially. And, you know, even when I was playing, the comment to be thrown out, oh, geez, sure they have Gary Brennan there and they have David Tuberty, you know. But, I mean, I, I was actually at the game yesterday doing the, the Clare game, the most ridiculous role of all time. Uh, Colin rang me Friday night to ask, would I do Mayor Ishka under these new... Um, yeah, the new rules. I want to talk to you about those rules. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll come back to that. But um, I suppose what I was saying was uh, Clare are not looking at trying to stay in Division 2. Clare are trying to get to the very highest level possible. And when I looked at our bench yesterday, I could see three or four guys. Um, and I was like, geez, he's not, he's not playing today. You know, I was kind of saying... Those guys are well ready. In my time, when I was starting off, if anyone showed potential, they were in straight away. You know, whereas now we have a couple of guys that you can bring in. And this is not me saying that Clare are definitely going to be in contention for promotion from Division Two. It's not. Uh, you know, it's going to be a challenge every year, and every game is going to be a challenge. But that, that's the thinking, I suppose, is, is what I'm saying. I think the the, the three best teams in Division Two are Clare. Um, Clare, Galway and Derry with Ross Common in around it as well. And yesterday, I, I had I, just talking to Offaly people, Offaly people saying, oh, we have to go down, we have to beat Clare if we're to survive in Division 2. I, I just thought a misreading of how football has changed in the last in the last 10 years. Total misreading of it. And the games that Offaly have to win are the games that come towards the latter end of, of the league, not necessarily... Um, not necessarily last Sunday. The water break. The water breaks are gone. You were wearing the Mwerish ba- um bib yesterday. You're on and off the field. You, you, could you bring instructions onto your players? No, this. Um, I think that's what Cullum rang me on Friday night, and he asked. They were stuck. Obviously, these rules landed on them last week, and said that you can't have a member of management or any member of the squad. We'd always, when I was playing, we'd have had. A non-playing member of the squad would would do Mayrishka. So um, I was sent over yesterday with the intention, I think, of maybe issuing some instruction from whatever I would see. But I had to stand. The rule is that you have to stand pretty much in the one spot on the sideline. You are not allowed onto the pitch. Um, so we're gone from everyone drinking out of their own water bottle after 15 <laughs> minutes or 17 minutes to you flinging a water bottle from the sideline and it landing on the ground a fellow picking it up and drinking out of it and then flinging it back at you, you know. <laughs> you weren't allowed on not the allowed field. on the pitch. Not allowed Number on the pitch, one. no. Not supposed Number to two. have any You're not allowed being wired yeah, up. Not supposed to have I'm, any I'm sure you were wired yeah. up, but you you weren't allowed no, to I, I actually I genuinely wasn't. I genuinely wasn't. No, what I did notice from the Offaly side was that there was a man behind me in the stand speaking to the Offaly uh Offaly uh guy on the sideline, but I'm sure every county is doing that. You know? I don't think that so, Gary. Friend from, <laughs> that was his friend from all. I'm going to chat with him, give him a bit of advice. But, um, no, I'm sure I'm sure Claire had the had the same setup if it was needed. Like, it just, it seems to be gone on to a total extreme now where you can't come on the field. Like, I, my first experiences of county football were doing, were doing Mayor Ishka uh, and club football. I spent my youth running around with the water bottle in my hand and I'd cover, I probably covered my 10k, uh, Going around the field every time they break and play, I'd be on. But um, just it's 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 gone mad. Like it, it, when I was playing, there's no way I'd have had a chance in the middle of a game to run over to the sideline, get a drink of water, and run back out in position. You you don't get that that time to do it. So 
I, I don't know. I can't understand. Well, I can see why they wanted to get guys off the pitch, but to me, there's a very simple solution to that. If there was a, a Marishka on the pitch who was interfering with play, you give a penalty against the team and he gets a, a hefty ban. You know, and the teams won't be long getting them off the pitch then when, when they're in the way, you know. Um, mm. And anyway, it's maybe I'm getting very worked up over uh no, but it's it's it just it just seems to be so nitpicking that you can't put a runner onto the field. Like it just it, I just can't see the problem. Mushin, what's your view on this? There's a couple of people have fall for this. Uh, one of them is uh, Tony Lean's old mucker, uh, Tony McEntee. I think he was in an altercation one time. I think um, Tommy Griffin might have. Uh, contributed as well. He might have been. A little, there's been there's been a few incidents and uh, and and Copac just they just seem to hate that sort of thing. Um, but we've gone from Murphy to uh, water breaks and now back to nothing. Um, the the Murphy one is 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 a real difficult one to understand in that I, why why somebody who's not involved in the in the team in the match day setup, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how that somebody. How do you police that, that even? But, but how, 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 who knows but, who's involved? But, but why? So uh, tell me why. Please tell me why that you know you wouldn't want, you know, a member of the of the panel or somebody who's there that could contribute. The way you wouldn't want that person there. I agree. Make any sense to me, and like as far as the. Murphy, I mean, let's give proper guidelines to these guys, and and as Gary says, let them know what the penalties are. That you don't have the Murphy for the next two games or three games or whatever it is. But like Jesus, you know, because of one or two incidents, I mean, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. I know there was there was there was uh, guys who were taking to make a little bit in that you know they were closing down the space for. Uh, for the opposition kickouts and different things, like that. but that's that that's not all. I do I do agree with that. But Jesus, very difficult to get a message to get any sort of message on now the way things are, and and even just like Gary's absolutely highlighted that for me that the nonsense that 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 Mariska thing is. I want to turn quickly to next weekend. There are unbelievable matches <coughs> next weekend. You just could not but be excited for it. It's okay. Kerry in Dublin on Saturday night. Intrally, no need to say anything more about that. Armagh against Tyrone. We're going to see what Armagh are made of next weekend when the All Ireland champions come to town and this rejuvenated Armagh meets a reality check. Uh, it's going to be absolute. I cannot wait for next Monday's podcast already. Monaghan and Mayo, always a brilliant battle in Division One. And Donegal Kildare. Donegal Kildare up in Bally Buffet again it could be the, one of the great running games of all time up up and uh, up and up and down the field but in division 2 there are two games with next weekend which are really 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 interesting Cork v Clare in 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 Parky Cleave Clare have to be favorites going down to that game have to be no no argument on that going down to Parky Cleave and if Clare beat Cork Next weekend, Cork are under immense pressure. The mm-hmm. following day, in Park Charlton and Navan, Mead, who didn't score for forty-five minutes yesterday, play against Roscommon, and Roscommon have to be favourites to win that game. You could have Mead and Cork already under the pump uh, two weeks into these games. So my question, my question is simple: If you start the league, or if you have a really bad day within the league how do you recover within a week or six days as the case may be for these teams how do you if you're if you're andy mcintee with me if you're keith rick and mccork how do you turn the corner in a week what can you realistically do in a week the lads are better qualified the lads are better qualified to answer in terms of um recovery and tactics but i i do know um, depending where you are in your journey, I mean, you know, the, the Andy McEntee situation, Paul and Mead, is is very interesting because obviously I think Andy was under pressure before the season even started, and you know, not scoring for forty five minutes yesterday, I, I genuinely, you know, you could actually, you could almost feel it on social media. People were were kind of saying like, you know, see, we told you so. I mean, Cork, 
I, I actually think, and I was talking to somebody from Cork, it's funny, last night, and to tell you where Cork football is at right now, they are really, really scared about about playing Clare next weekend. And they should be. And not just, well, it, see, it isn't just because it's Clare. Um, like, the Cork project hasn't got off the ground yet. No, everybody's settled down. Same thing as we said at the very outset about Dublin and Armagh. It's one game. But the fact that they've hemorrhaged so many squad members already and they hemorrhaged two more last night after the game when it emerged Kevin Crowley and Luke Connolly were gone. You know, you can make you can make your own judgments, lads, in terms of whether the lads have walked, whether Keith Rickon has said, thanks, look, but go back to your clubs and see where you're at for a while. You know, good night and good luck. You can you can read into those any way you Which want. Which way do you see it? Which way do you see it? Well, I think every case, I gen genuinely think, Paul, every case is different. I think Luke Connolly is struggling for fitness. I think Kevin Crowley is struggling for fitness. Does it mean that they'll come back when they are fit? Not necessarily. I genuinely think Keith Ricken and his lads have not have really decided at this stage. You know what? We need to start. We need to start over here. All Cork need to get out of this league. The only fundamental they need is to stay in Division 2. They have to survive in Division 2. Cork football cannot afford to go back to Division 3. You've seen over the last couple of weeks, basically, there are players who are no longer interested in playing inter-county football with Cork. That's a stark statement, but it looks, from what I'm looking at from outside, it's the reality. Keith Ricken has no choice but to go with these young lads, to go with the Mark Cronins, to go with the guys, and being at home to Clare next Sunday is a, is a tough ask. It's a big opportunity. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised, and Gary would be delighted to hear me saying so. I wouldn't be surprised to see Cork rebound and beat Clare next weekend. But I got to say, it's happened, more like you see that happening. What do you think, Gary? Yeah. Well, if Division Two taught me anything, it's that uh, thinking the team will win two games in a row is <laughs> is is folly. Um, it hardly ever happens in Division Two for whatever reason it is. Yes, we have we have had a better record against Cork in the last few years than we had for whatever many hundred before that. But um, you know, our challenge has always been, and so that's what we were talking about earlier with our man making the step up. Our challenge has been consistency. So we put in a good display yesterday for uh, about fifty-five minutes. I would say Claire played poorly for the first fifteen, and then pretty good after that. So. If Clare don't play well for the first 15 next Saturday evening, it could be a case that it's gone too far from them, you know, um, and consistency week to week has been a challenge. So that's what Clare have to start showing to ensure that we do get to the upper end of Division 2. Um, Cork, obviously, at home will be hurting. I have seen up close some of Keith Rickon's teams um, working for a few of the games with DG Carr when they, at the at 20s level when they took down Jack O'Connor's 20s um, and saw them a good few times after that and there's just something about I've said it to a couple of Cork colleagues working with me and I've said it to them from the minute Keith Rickham was appointed there was something about the way uh, those teams carried themselves that um, and he seems to have good guys around him now it obviously is a step up to see that happening at senior level but I I would think uh, I suppose the, the the best way I can say it is that I told my, my Cork colleague that I was concerned about Cork now because um, Keith Rickon was was in charge, you know. So, um, but it'll take time, it just, isn't that right? It, like it's it's it a couple will. of years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, potentially, it potentially. Will. You know, I suppose I'd I'd have thought maybe it might not take a couple of years in Cork to go back to the original question. Any team to win two games in a row or two weeks in a row in Division Two, it's rare you see it um, unless they are the one team maybe the outlier who who shoots off to the top um so I, I won't be making any bold predictions on, on Claire going down and beating Cork just yet I think Paul sorry just briefly to finish on that I think Rickon and the lads have decided like usually and Oshin will know this again and Gary will know it better than I because they've obviously been in management um there's almost like a three kind of a phase thing Oshin isn't there like number one you look to see what you have second year you start moving the fresh guys in and the older guys out. And third year, you hope to achieve. I think Keith and the lads have actually moved straight to the year two. I think they already knew that they'd, they'd surveyed what was available. Keith Ricken has been around Cork. He's been involved in college. He's been involved in underage. He knows what's there. He knows what's coming through. He obviously has a bit of confidence in what's coming through. And if guys have been prepared to walk, 
He's not holding the door open. He's letting them out and saying, right, okay. And that probably means, Paul, as you say, that means that it may take a little bit longer than Cork people are expecting, which is why I think it is, again, to repeat, so important that they stay in Division 2 this year. Oshin. I can't believe how much you've trolled Cork already and Rooney on the second podcast of the year, knowing that uh, Awfully have, have still played them uh, down the lane. Um, Cork, the keep wrecking thing, uh, I come up against him. He had a very good CIT team. Uh, we come up against him uh, a number of years ago. Uh, he seemed to have put a lot of faith in a lot of those guys. All of those guys, um, I suppose, on the face of it, you know, are new, but they're not really young. They're 22 and 23 years of age. Uh, I think the thing that they, they haven't had maybe is um, a consistency as far as uh, what way they're conditioned. Uh, and again, I don't want to keep talking every week about conditioning, but uh, there's a two or three year spell there where, you know, um, players need to get up to speed. It's very unforgiving for a young lad to come in and be thrown into... Um, thrown into, into county football at this level but it's even more unforgiving whenever there's a bunch of them all at one time and there's very little experience around them um, so uh, Cork football will have to suck it up you know for a while and Tony is 100% right while they are doing that while they're sucking it up the most important thing is that they cling on in some way to Division 2 status because if they go to three, you're gonna have you're not only gonna have maybe uh, Keith Reckon saying the lads, you know, you know, you know, walk if you want, but what you're gonna have then is you're gonna have the defections, and then you know you sort of you, you you need to be building a consistency. One of the stats from last night was that down in the last five years we've used eighty five uh, players, eighty five different players. There's too much of a turnover of players in order to, to gain momentum or to, to build anything. And uh, Cork don't want to find themselves in that same situation. So he needs to, what he has now, he needs to hold it. Uh, he needs to be working with 36, 37 players. He needs to hold them and uh, and, and blood them, I suppose. Like, again, seven games in, in nine weeks. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. a lot of these lads involved in like college football, like you're asking me what Andy McIntyre is going to do this week. Well, the first thing he's going to have to do, he's going to have to strategically pick the nights that he's training because otherwise he'll probably be without five or six um, uh, lads who are playing uh, college football um, and get them in and get them together. Like So he, 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 prob- he possibly won't know what he has for next weekend until maybe Thursday. You know that everybody has come through the games, and that's what makes that's what makes this time of year and the situation that we're in. You know, it must be hugely frustrating for intercounty managers to, you know, to to not be able to to have those players that they want. I mean, um, our college team is going to uh, Galway today for a match at half two in in Chew. I mean, a lot of those guys have played yesterday. They've had the. Are you staying the night? No. Uh, my wife told me to strip back up the road, so uh, strip back up the road it is. <laughs> um, no, but just I'm just thinking, like you know, a lot of those guys. Not only did they play the match yesterday, but have to travel home. Very little time for recovery. Up, you know, on the bus this morning, at, you know, nine or ten o'clock. So, like, it's it it is a, it is a, t- a tough station. But getting back to the to the to the car thing. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the, the crucial thing for them is to stay in Division 2 well, by whatever means uh, they can. Uh, next week is huge. Next weekend is huge. It's huge for a lot of teams. Uh, I think in particular Cork because if they lose that game, um, they have a few games coming up that I don't see. I, for them, I don't see as winnable. Yeah, we, we'll be talking in the coming weeks about a whole variety of different teams in different divisions, and you can see in Division Three already, Leash and Westmead, like pre pre season favourites to, to be promoted, got a good start to to things. Antrim are there in the background. Limerick are building slowly. There are footballers in Limerick who are slowly, slowly coming together. Limerick are not going to be too bad. But before we finish, we have to talk about Division Four, and there are two things in Division Four that I think are really worth looking at. First of all, London, after two years away, come back in 
um, played a first game in the league and and beat Carlo, which is which is an outstanding uh, start for for London in that. But most of all, Tipperary, monster champions the year before last, tipped to come straight back up, and they went down to Waterford and played Waterford, and and Waterford came out with a ten points all draw, full value for that. Gary, going down to Waterford, it's it's. Do you feel some sort of um, uh, you're shaking your head as if you're, you're crazy fierce. And I know from people who've gone down there, it is it is not simple. There are a lot of footballers in Waterford, but do you feel some sort of, I suppose, allegiance with Waterford footballers in a kind of a in a strange way, in the sense that within a county where hurling is privileged, certainly in Waterford, it's hugely privileged. But there are serious footballers in Waterford. Absolutely, it gave me a shiver there thinking of going down that road to Dungarvan. Honest to God, it was. <laughs> whether it was the road or the reception, I don't know which, but um, we never, we had a worse record down there than anywhere else. Um, and they're an extremely proud footballing group down there. Like, you know, the couple of the guys I would have played with in the Munster teams, the O'Gormans, and, you know, they, they just kept the, keep the show going despite all the obstacles and some of the stories I'd have heard from them as regards the way they were resourced, maybe, um, and, and some of the water footballers, the, the, the way that support they got, I suppose, even in comparison to when we weren't where we are now in Clare, um, and we might have thought we weren't being well supported, you know, I think some of their players would feel that it's even um, poorer than that, or even they're even poorer off. So, you know, it's, it's not an easy situation when you're in a, a county like that where you're playing second fiddle um, and, and not getting maybe the backing that you deserve, but fair play to them. Um, I can't ever remember. I think once once we had a good win down there where we beat them nine or ten points. And other than that, um, if you come out there with a one-point win, I'd take it any night of the week. I must admit, when I when I saw Ify Fitzgerald going down there, Paul, um, it was interesting because um, you know um, the managers have actually swapped between the Waterford men's senior football team and the Cork ladies team. Shane Ronane has gone to the Cork ladies team. Ify Fitzgerald has gone down there. Ify Fitzgerald is around the block a long time and is a pretty good judge of football and has trained Nemo to win, I think it's four county championships. And obviously was above in Clare with Gary and the lads for a while as well. So, um, you know... I was delighted to see that. It was a good result. Um, I'm not sure which it says more about, but I know it was a good result. One last thing I wanted to ask, and we're going right back to the start. We should nearly have this thing, Paul, every week where we all get to ask each other one question at the end. But I want to ask Oshin genuinely. I mean, and this is for insight reasons more than anything. Rian O'Neill um, is your nephew, Oshin, And we've been hearing about Rian. I certainly have been hearing about him for the last three, four years. How close is he now to the consistency required to be a top, top inter-county footballer? I think he's, uh, I think probably <clears throat> in the last six months, I think he's there. I think regardless of what's thrown at him, um, uh, he, he, it reminds me a little bit of the Michael Murphy situation in that like he spends a little bit of time inside and lot the weekend was the most I've seen him play, obviously in the full in the full forward line. But I think they probably won't have the luxury to do that. They probably need to to bring him a little bit further out the field, especially um, next week in the league game. But I think his consistency is is phenomenal. I think what I like about him, and not to to eulogise about your nephew too much, but the thing I like about him is that even when things aren't rolling from or going his way, he has an effect on the game because he works so hard. He'll just go and he'll hunt somebody down and he'll turn the ball over. And uh, I suppose that's the biggest compliment that I can give him. And, and that was a real indication that uh, he's matured and he's, 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 he's gone to the next level. Is that, you know, the head doesn't go up anymore whenever, you know, things maybe aren't going his way. I think he, he genuinely expects things not to go his way. He expects to be double marked or he expects to be, you know, in for a bit of treatment or whatever it is. And I think that, whereas, uh, and obviously he gets this from the other side of the house, but um, he would have he would have lashed out maybe, um, in previous times. And I think he he you know he got he got his marching orders a couple of times. I think he's learned from that, and uh, and I think he's matured. So I think even if if things aren't going his way, 
you know, he's he's walking, he's turning the ball over, he's getting doing something simple in the middle of the field, and um, I think as a result of that, he's probably is uh, he's very close to being um, to where he needs to be as far as being top top uh, level in the county football. Well, it'll be good to watch him next weekend and watch Armagh continue their progress to the Champions League, inevitable as it seems to now be painted. Um, thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocca, to Tony for joining us today, to everyone at Examiner Sport for making it happen. A huge thanks to Oshin and especially to Gary Brennan for, for joining us today. We'll be back soon. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.